What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Happy opening day, everybody out there. The 2023 season is underway. All 30 teams in action. Already some interesting stuff for me to talk about here on this edition of the podcast. Look, the AL and NL previews still have a little bit of shelf life for Monday and Tuesday, though, if you get a chance to check those out. On Wednesday's episode, I talked about some of my baseball betting tips for a game-by-game standpoint. So those are definitely worth checking out as well. But look, we got games to talk about today, so we'll do that. Hoping to run about 15 to 20 minutes with this daily, although I will say because we're doing it Monday through Friday, the Monday edition probably will be a little bit longer, kind of recapping the weekend, some of the things that I've picked up on. So you can kind of plan on that in terms of listening to the podcast. We're trying to get this thing out. As close to, you know, no later than two o'clock or three o'clock Eastern time as we can. Look, the reality of it is being in Pacific time, having to wait for all the games to be done the night before, you know, kind of letting the markets settle in a little bit. So I'm not giving you guys, you know, numbers that are no longer attainable in the article or on the podcast. It just kind of is what it is. There's not really a workaround for it. But, you know, look, subscribe to the feed. You should know when new episodes are posted. And if you follow me on Twitter at Skating Tripods, you'll know when the daily article goes up as I post that right away uh, so that you know what's happening with that and when it's gone live on the website. So 30 games here today. Some of them have already started as I'm recording. One interesting development, just real quick to kind of mention here, in this Braves and Nationals game, Ronald Acuna Jr., the leadoff hitter, singles to get on base. He's wreaking havoc on Patrick Corbin with the pitch clock. You only get the two disengagements. You only get 20 seconds. You can't hold the ball, freeze the runner, all of that. Acuna just going and going and going until he finally steals second base. So that will be something to watch as we go forward. And, of course, it took the first batter of the first game to see the impact that these rule changes are going to have. That's kind of an overarching point that I want to talk about for opening day here. I do have two plays on the card. I'll get to them in a few minutes. 
But as I was going through and looking at the card, you know, I, I was kind of torn. I, I sort of had a little bit of an internal crisis about what to do here with opening day. And the reason why is because you have a lot of aces on the mountain today, right? You've got a lot of low totaled games, sevens, six and a halfs out there, some seven and a half stuff like that. You have these low totaled games and we're dealing with our first games that really matter with the rule changes. Our first games where you're seeing the major league lineup for nine full innings, our first games where you're going to see you know, managers deploy their bullpens based on leverage, not just based on who's scheduled to throw that day. There are a lot of unknowns coming into this season with the rule changes. And with a lot of these aces on the mound, the way you, there are three ways you become an ace. Strikeouts, overall command, and home run avoidance. Those are really the three ways that you become an ace. But when you look at some of these guys here today, a lot of guys with high ground ball rates, you know, Marcus Stroman going for the Cubs, very high ground ball rate. Framber Valdez for the Astros, very high ground ball rate. And we don't know exactly how it's going to play out in a post-shift world. So I wrote about that in the daily article over at vcin.com, kind of looking at, you know, shift percentages behind some of these guys. For example, with Marcus Stroman, and even though it's a cold day in Chicago, even though it's Corbin Burns, who's you know an elite level guy against Marcus Stroman, who's had a you know a pretty good career of his own, I thought about betting the over six and a half in that game because they're both ground ball guys. You had Corbin Burns last year; the shift rate behind him against left-handed batters fifty four point nine percent. The shift rate against left-handed batters behind Stroman was sixty three point five percent. So we're talking about the majority of plate appearances against left-handed batters with the infield shifted behind those two guys. Well, you know what can't happen this year? Shifting the infielders over. You have to have two infielders on each side of second base, and they have to be on the dirt at the time of the pitch. So when you look at some of these ground ball guys, what, what are they going to have to do differently? What adjustments are they going to make? And the bigger question we know there will be more base runners. We know there will be more stolen bases. But how will teams fare with runners in scoring position? Are they going to get those key hits more often than not? So there are a lot of unknowns, and I really struggled with the opening day card because of that, because a lot of times you get these frontline starting pitchers, and they are guys 47, 48, 49 plus percent with ground ball rates, but in a no-shift world, how much does it impact them? And the thing about a guy like Stroman that's different from a guy like Corbin Burns is that Marcus Stroman was below league average for starting pitchers and strikeout percentage last year and has been throughout most of his career. Corbin Burns can get a lot of strikeouts. Marcus Stroman gets a lot of ground balls. He pitches to contact. You think about a guy like Kyle Gibson, for example, in another early game here, between the Orioles and the Red Sox, where Boston about a minus 120, minus 125 favorite, total eight and a half in that game. That one will have already started by the time you hear this. But in looking at a game like that and looking at a guy like Gibson, he pitches to a lot of contact with a 50.9% ground ball rate for his career. So that's a guy you would expect to be negatively impacted by these rule changes. You look at a guy like Luis Castillo in the late game between the Mariners and the Guardians, another guy that has swing and miss upside, 
but induces a lot of ground balls. Now, part of the reason he induced a lot of ground balls is because he throws a 97-mile-per-hour sinker, but the other part is because he pitched in Cincinnati, which is a phenomenal offensive ballpark. Now he's at T-Mobile Park. So is it okay for him to kind of change his pitch usage a little bit, maybe induce a few more fly balls, try to get some more swing and miss up in the zone to counterbalance what may happen with the, the loss of the shift? Absolutely. So I'm kind of twisting myself into knots. I kind of felt like a, a soft pretzel this morning, just trying to figure out what's going to happen with all of these pitchers, specifically the ground ball guys. So that'll be an ongoing battle, I think. And one of the things I'm having kind of a hard time with is how quickly the market will adjust to this if we're seeing, you know, a big increase in hits, a big increase in, you know, opportunities with men in scoring position. If we're seeing that, totals are going to start going up just simply based on the run scoring opportunities that are out there. So the question that I have is how much data do I need to get before I try to jump on this or before I say, you know what, the shift ban doesn't mean as much as I thought it would. This isn't going to be a daily betting angle for me. I honestly do not know. And that's the hard part about going into any season, the number of unknowns, but especially this season with the rule changes. So that's the battle I'm fighting early on in the year here, trying to figure out how I want to handle specifically the pitch to contact ground ball guys with low strikeout rates, because those are guys that, you know, in theory, without the shift are going to struggle quite a bit and they'll have to make adjustments and they'll have to make changes and they'll have to do things differently than how they've done them the last four five, six years. You know, a guy like Framber Valdez, and I'll, I'll key in on this game for a few minutes because it is a late game and it's had a lot of interesting line action last year. 66.5% ground ball rate for Framber Valdez. And the Astros are a team that incorporates shifts pretty aggressively. Now, of course, the thing for Valdez is he's left-handed. So you don't have as many left-handed batters pulling the ball through the shift as you do against righties, guys with bad platoon splits, stuff like that. But for Valdez, you know, I mean, they only shifted at about a 10% rate on, on him against right-handed batters, so maybe that's not that big of a deal with the shift being gone. But still, it's something that is going to play out in some way, shape, or form. Now, he is a guy that does have a pretty decent strikeout rate, and he's just now kind of getting into the prime of his career. But when two-thirds of your batted balls are ground balls, and now the league has taken away one of the most positive defensive developments for teams that we've ever seen. How does that impact a guy like Framber Valdez? I guess we'll wait and see, and maybe we'll see here today against the White Sox, where this line has jumped all over the place pretty much for the last two days since opening day numbers have been up. It opened as high as Astros minus 170. You can find it in the market now as low as Astros minus 135 at some of the shops that are out there both in the legal U.S. market and also in faraway places. Look, there are a few things to kind of think about here, and, and this was you know, kind of a, a big part of my morning was, is it because of Valdez and the ground ball rate? Is it just because it's an extension of what we've seen several years in a row now with the White Sox where they get bet on almost blindly against left-handed starters because they're so right-handed heavy and they've been a top-five offense against left-handed pitching basically since 2018-2019? Is it that? Is it the ground ball thing? Is it 
maybe the absence of Jose Altuve for the Astros? Is it the market really being behind Dylan Cease? Because Dylan Cease last year, strikeout percentage over 30%. Righties did virtually nothing against him. They had a 33.9% strikeout rate. They hit 163. The Astros tend to be a little bit right-handed heavy based on the composition of their team. So is it is it one factor kind of weighing in more than another? Is it a combination of all of them? Those are things that you try to figure out early on in the season here. And that's something that I may not know about Valdez until we look at his second start, whoever that's going to be against. You know, will we see another line movement against him because he's such an extreme ground ball guy in this post-shift environment? So a lot of things to try and kind of figure out here early on in the season where, you know, I, I just, I don't quite know, you know, I don't quite know. And sometimes it may keep me off of a bet that I think has a little bit of value moving over to the national league here, taking a look at the Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres Padres, a big favorite minus two Oh five to minus two twenty out there in the market, depending on where you look total in this game seven with Herman Marquez going for the Rockies and Blake Snell going for the Padres. And and Herman Marquez is a guy, look, when he pitches at home in Colorado, things are very tough. Understandably so. Pitching in Colorado is miserable. You've got the thin air, the ball carries, the outfield is enormous. The Rockies haven't been a great defensive team. It's hard to control your pitches, so your walk rate goes up, your strikeout rate goes down, all these different types of things. For Marquez, throughout his career, and I wrote about this in my Rockies team preview over at vcin.com, you know, Marquez at, on the road like holds guys to being like a bottom 10, bottom 20 hitter. At home, guys are Paul Goldschmidt or you know a top five MVP candidate. But he's on the road here against the Padres, and I gave a lot of thought to taking not only the Rockies' first five, but maybe the first five under in this game as well. Because Marquez's road numbers are so strong, we're getting a big plus money price on him here, even for the first five. But here's the thing. Herman Marquez is a ground ball guy. And you kind of have to be when you talk about pitching in Denver, but he's a ground ball guy. And this Padres lineup, which was top 10 in strikeout percentage last year, they were ninth actually, they shed some guys that strike out a lot in Will Myers and Luke Voigt. You know, and they bring in a guy like Xander Bogarts, who puts a lot of balls in play. So for Marquez, even though I think there's some upside based on those home road splits, I don't know if he'll have the strikeouts in this start if the ground balls end up being hurtful and detrimental. So those are the battles that I'm going to be fighting here in the early part of the season until we get some data, until we see things kind of settle in a little bit. And that may even be a little bit misleading because we know that offense generally isn't there in the month of April. And we know that, you know, a lot of times people say that pitchers are ahead of hitters or people say hitters are ahead of pitchers. I don't know what the case necessarily is, especially with the World Baseball Classic this year. But what I do know is that everyone will be trying to adjust to these rules. And by everyone, I mean the people on the field, the people off the field, the people in the betting markets. You know, all these front offices and these executives and these game theory experts and all these people that are in these MLB franchise or MLB organizations, they're all going to be looking at this and trying to figure out the adjustments that can be made. And a pitching coach might go to a pitcher and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have you stop throwing the sinker as much 
you're going to throw more four seam fastballs now. So fewer sinkers means fewer ground balls. More four seam fastballs will generally mean more swing and miss and more strikeouts, but it could also mean more home runs. So all of these things are going to be in a state of flux early on in the season here. And those are things that I'm kind of trying to figure out, kind of trying to look at and sort of build profiles, not only of these teams, but also of what might happen in the betting markets. I want to get to one more game here before I talk about the two plays that I've got for Thursday's opening day card. And that is this game between the Blue Jays and the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. Blue Jays at DraftKings minus 115, rest of the market minus 105 both ways uh, for the most part. Seven and a half the total here. What's really intriguing to me about this game is I've seen a lot of anti-Alec Manoa sentiment where a lot of people think Manoa will experience some regression this year, still be good, but kind of regress to an ERA in the 350 or in the 360 range compared to the 322 he had in 2021 and the 224 that he had in 2022. But the thing about Alec Manoa that people aren't talking enough about and that projection systems I don't think have the capacity to understand is that over the last two seasons, Manoa has had elite hard hit rates against at 32 point or 31.2% and 31.5%. Yes, his batting averages on balls in play are very low, 246 and 244 in his two seasons, but hitters expand the zone with him. And when you expand the zone, it's great to make contact and stay alive and follow a ball off. But generally speaking, it's not great to put a ball that's out of the zone in play because you're just not going to hit it hard. And Alec Manoa is really, really good at doing that. So I think that's a guy that the market may be a little bit too low on. I think analysts may be a little bit too low on as well. So that's a guy I may look to buy in with here early on in the season. That being said, I didn't do it today. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals have a great lineup. They're a very disciplined lineup. They should be you know, maybe better equipped than most to go up against Alec Manoa. And Miles Michaelis gets the start here for the Cardinals. And I've got some concerns about him. You know, he threw over 200 innings last year after missing most of 2021 and all of the 2020 season. Big innings increase for him. Last year, career best batting average on balls in play of 249. Great control. Doesn't walk people. Doesn't really give up a ton of hard contact. But again, when I look at a guy with a career low batting average on balls in play going into this post-shift environment, I have some worries. So I may look to fade Michaelis on the road because Bush Stadium is a really great pitcher's park. But on the road, I may look to go against Michaelis. And whether that means betting an over in that game or maybe trying to take a shot on a team against the Cardinals, Michaelis is a guy I'll be watching very closely and probably look to fade early on in the season here. So I just, I'm trying to plant some seeds and kind of create some profiles of these pitchers and of these teams early on in the season while also trying to get some early season data and kind of analyzing how things will change based on the shift, based on the pitch clock, and all these rule changes that Major League Baseball has implemented. So a couple of plays for you here today that were in the article over at vcin.com, and I've got some more detail in those write-ups on what I'll probably share more often than not on the podcasts here. But I am on the New York Metropolitans. They're a minus-125 favorite today, or a little bit better than that at some places against the Miami Marlins. We'll mostly be citing DraftKings odds on this show. We'll absolutely be citing DraftKings odds in the article. But as always, as I talked about on that betting tip show, shop around for the best price. 
Don't take minus 125 if you can get minus 120. Don't take plus 115 if you can get plus 120. Very important stuff for you. My hands are tied a little bit writing the article. DraftKings owns us. I want to use their odds. I want to grade against their odds. But, you know, it is important to shop around for the best prices that are out there. And that's very true of the next game that I'll be talking about. But in this Mets and Marlins game, look, it's very rare to get Max Scherzer at this kind of price point, minus 125 for the Mets, against Sandy Alcantara. And look, I get it. Reigning NL Cy Young Award winner in Alcantara. I totally get that. Completely understand. However, Alcantara's two best seasons as a pro, ground ball percentages of 53.3 and 53.4%. Last season, the Marlins shifted 61.4% of the time against lefties with him on the mound and 40.7% of the time against righties. And he had a career best 262 batting average on balls in play last season. Now, he's a guy that was above the league average in strikeout percentage but not in his four starts against the Mets. The Mets had a strikeout rate of 19.9% against him. His season average was 23.4. The Mets have a lot of guys that put balls in play. And I do think an extreme ground ball guy here, like Alcantara, is going to struggle in this post-shift environment. So I went ahead and took the Mets today. I think the Mets have clearly the better lineup. I think the Mets still have the better bullpen, or at least maybe the safer bullpen, despite the loss of Edwin Diaz. So Mets minus 125, one of the picks for me here today on this opening day card. And the other one is the Philadelphia Phillies. So kind of maybe talking out of both sides here because you rarely get Jacob deGrom at a price like this either. But Jacob deGrom was slowed by some left side tightness early on in spring training. And I've seen anywhere from 65 to 75 pitches today kind of being his limit in his Rangers debut against the Phillies. When he's healthy, he's the best pitcher on the planet, and I fully understand that. His numbers are great in so many ways. Maybe it helps that a lot of these Phillies hitters have seen him. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a thing. But what I do know is I really like Aaron Nola, and I think Aaron Nola, you know, he struggled in his last spring training start. That was right after extension talks fell through. Probably not totally focused on baseball in that start. But Aaron Nola, last year, Lowered his hard hit percentage against a 31.6%. That was the best of his career, had the best command of his career. 325 ERA, 258 FIP. He's done a really good job over the last three seasons of neutralizing left-handed batters, which I think is a positive in a lot of ways. And the biggest thing to me about this game and, and why I don't shy away from betting full games when a lot of people just want to bet first fives, if I can get Aaron Nola and Jacob deGrom to largely cancel each other out in this game. Then I'm sitting on the Phillies bullpen at plus money in a game that should be close, could be tied. Maybe the Phillies lead by one. Maybe the Rangers lead by one, something like that. I'm getting the better bullpen at a plus money price. And somebody will probably say, well, why don't you just live bet the game? Well, because I can't live bet the morning article. But I'm feeling like the Phillies will be very much in this game with the chance at plus money to have their bullpen, which I believe is superior to the Rangers bullpen. So yeah, DeGrom is great, but you might only get three or four innings out of DeGrom, depending on you know whether or not he's sharp, whether or not the Phillies are fighting stuff off, things of that sort. So I took the Phillies here at a plus money price. It's plus 115 in the article. There are better numbers out there, plus 120s in the market for the most part, but I'm grading against DraftKings numbers. I'm using DraftKings numbers in the article. 
I will cite them for the most part on this podcast. However, I'm telling you, if you find plus 124, take that over plus 115. And there are some better numbers out there for this Phillies and Rangers game. So hopefully things go well here on opening day, but look, a lot of stuff to try and process early on in the season. I'll talk you through it in the article over at vcin.com Monday through Saturday. I'll talk you through it in the podcast here Monday through Friday. Uh, Make sure you rate, review, subscribe. Five-star reviews are always welcome. I know we got a few of those yesterday, so thank you so much for that. Uh, But again, baseball season is here. You don't have to dive in head first and bet a bunch of stuff. You can kind of let everything settle in a little bit. That's what I'm trying to do, especially with these rule changes and kind of an uncertain environment out there. So uh, good luck with your plays today. Again, my plays, Mets minus 125, Phillies plus 115. Shop around for the best numbers. There are some better numbers out there, but those are the plays from the article over at vston.com, which I encourage you to check out and follow me on Twitter at Skating Tripods so that you know when it's posted. But I'll be back again tomorrow with another edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.